Hey there, horny listeners. We talk a lot about safety on this podcast, and that includes the importance of safe toys that are actually designed for sexual pleasure. Bunny Shop's carefully curated products are body safe and prioritize quality, aesthetics, and safety. Bunny Shop takes a boutique approach to shopping for adult toys, with a wide range from affordable gems to unique luxury items for all experience levels. What I like most about Bunny Shop is the approachability. They've created such a welcoming space, and none of it's dark, intimidating, or feels like it's gatekeeping. And if you like pink, they've got you covered. Bunny Shop also donates a percentage of all sales to a non-profit of your choice. Plus, they ship quickly and discreetly. Let go of your shyness and embrace your self-love journey with confidence. Save 20% off your order today when you use my code BIGTOP. Visit bunnyshop.com, that's B-U-N-N-Y-S-H-O-P-P-E.com. Spelt with two P's and an E at the end. Don't be shy, let your freak flag fly. The Digivolution is up and running. Did you see? Did you hear? Did you know what's coming? And welcome to The Big Top. I am your host, Barney, and today I am joined by the wonderful Leather Paladin, who joins me in the center ring to geek out over our mutual love of Digimon before sharing his own kinky journey with me. If you get the chance, please do rate and review this podcast. It really helps to get the word out and makes me feel so good about myself. Today, the circus returns to San Francisco, California, and I invite you to join me as we go under The Big Top. Yeah, my brain today is just not on because I um, am extremely hungover. And it's, I've gotten to the age now where hangovers just last all day. And I remember when it was like a headache in the morning. And now my entire body, my entire brain functionality, everything is gone. I did have a lot of fun though. I was at a leather bar. I went to like an ABDL. uh, It it was like um, the London padded social. And then after that, my friend was like, hey, there's this leather bar. My friend's got some leather we can dress you in. Let's go there. And I'm like, cool, man. At this point, I'm like 13 sheets to the wind. We get there. There's karaoke. I've never done karaoke before. This is not actually in the the, the leather event was in the basement, but we went upstairs and there's karaoke going on. And I kind of felt like everyone was doing karaoke wrong because they were all taking it very seriously and trying to show off how well they can sing, which I feel is not the point. I feel like you're supposed to make a fool of yourself, right? I mean, it's probably like the theater gaze coming out. (laughs) But yes, it should be fun and not necessarily like a show. Right. That's sort of my philosophy. I then, however, get roped into doing it. And I am so drunk that I scream Sia's chandelier to an audience and it's filmed. So that was my evening. So that's where I'm at today. So please bear with me as I like fumble over my words and try and like remember what I wanted to say. But hi, thank you for uh, joining me here on The Big Top. How are you doing? Uh, we're, we're doing all right. Um, like I said, I've, I've got remnants of whatever this was, like supposedly it wasn't COVID, but, uh, I had some sort of like cold, like symptoms two weeks ago or two or three at this point now. And then I felt fine. And every week it's been like, Oh, okay. Well now your nose is going to be running for the rest of the week. Okay. Uh, or now you're just going to have a cough or like last weekend I was feeling totally fine. Painted the kitchen. Like we did, like worked on the house, uh, really well. Um, and then I started wheezing. I was like, okay, well, go get medicine for that and then I was feeling fine the rest of the week and then this weekend I was just like oh I have stuffy ears and it's like this is never going away it's like I'm hitting every single ball <laughs> just every possible symptom <laughs> yeah, like I, I don't have an infection I don't have 
any of those things is just like slowly going down the list of everything that it could be or like we could hit uh so oh, you poor thing. Like, I, can't, I can't take any more days off work so. oh yeah that sucks as well i honestly i have had COVID three times i have got four jabs every time i get sick there's a part of me that's like if this is covid i'm gonna scream because and uh, like we were so careful like i didn't go anywhere i didn't leave the house so i don't even know how I contracted it most of the time. There was one time where we did go somewhere and it was very obvious immediately because everyone got it. But like, I think the fear of COVID is not going to go away for a long, 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 long time. Like long after it's better managed, it's still going to be like, is that not the COVID? Uh, I mean, it's still interesting, like how we're we're in this sort of post-COVID phase, even though it's still around. And... Right, we're just pretending it's not. <laughs> Right, like I like we no longer do COVID pay here in California, um, and then a- as of next week, I think we re- start removing mask requirements in health centers. Oh right, uh, which is this whole other yeah. We've already done that. We we already from March last year we removed everything, and yeah, it doesn't feel it doesn't feel great. We 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 really are just sort of paving over the cracks and being like <laughs> it's fine. Right. And you can't even get tested anymore now because, well, I mean, you can, but you have to pay for it. The government was, you, you could just order tests whenever you needed them. And now you can't. So, yeah, that's fun. But anyway. <laughs> I mean, it's been an adventure. Uh, I mean, I worked in the height of the pandemic right on the front lines as a EMT first responder. So, like, I never even saw my fire truck for almost a year. Uh, it's like about Damn. three to six months at a time, I never saw my truck. Uh, so... That was like the first year of COVID and most of my coworkers didn't even believe in it at the time. So Are you serious? Like you, you just watched like three people in one day in, in their forties die of an unknown respiratory illness, which never happens. But like, but yes, I'm, I'm the one who, who doesn't understand. Like I'm the oh, one who I uh, is the, the virus believer. <laughs> the virus believer. Oh my God. That's a new one. That That is so hard to rail against. How do you even like, um, two thirds of uh, like when the vaccine first came out, they were like, Oh, first responders need to be like on the uh, first uh-huh. offer this. And two thirds of our department refused to get it. Uh, what? It's like, that's insane. It was just, it was, it was this whole disaster, but we don't have to go into that. <laughs> <clears throat> Sorry about that. <clears throat> that's fine. I, I mean, we, I've got a whole thing on this podcast where you are more than welcome to burp, do it right in the mic if possible, actually, because I, Apparently, and I swear I'm not just like constantly burping, but whenever I record, I will inevitably at some point burp. I don't know if it's like a nervous tick or something, or if it's just that I'm kind of like, I don't want to suppress my burps because as a kid, I couldn't burp. And I was like, what's this weird thing that everyone else can do and not me? And when I finally figured out how to do it, I was like, oh, wait, this is cool. I'm going to burp all the time now because I'm disgusting. Okay, so I wanted to... I wanted to get you on the podcast because we like bonded over Digimon of all things. And then I was like, wait, <laughs> but this guy is like also a super awesome, cute fetish and total kinky weirdo. Like how perfect I, <laughs> but that wasn't, that hadn't even registered to me. I was just like, Oh my God. Wow. Somebody else likes Digimon. So cool. <laughs> uh, I mean, I am a big Digimon fan. I, I mean, I've, I'm literally looking at one, two, three, four, five six seven digimon plushies just within my eyesight right now <laughs> let me go through my digimon plushie collection so i've got padamon uh who is my classic um i didn't really think he would end up being like the 
partner that represented me as well as he does, but he does. Um, I've got a Tentomon uh, little one that I got at uh, Gen Con this past year. Um, I've got a Sukaimon, partially because like the whole Patamon Sukaimon thing uh, seems to fit pretty well with the, with my boy and my pup. Um, I've got a Gummon plush that I got from the uh, Comic Con Emerald City Emerald City Comic Con. I've got a Magnadramon. Um, I've got a Chaosmon, uh, which I got for helping my husband work uh, work on his workout video sort of thing. And then I've got an Ankylomon because uh, I just love Ankylosauruses in general, uh, and he's always been a favorite of mine. It's always really sad that he never got a decent evolution. So. I have a fan Digimon uh, series that I've been working on since I was like 12. Um, a whole binder full of drawings and Digivolutions and like sort of storyline and plot, uh, primarily based on the four guardians. So just quickly, I have some notes. Your plushie collection is awesome. I, as an adult, have realized that Gomamon is the best. That was not, that didn't like register f- for me really as a kid because I my favorites were like Gadamon because she became Andrew Woman and Andrew Woman was my favorite. And then Renamon because I was like, you're just everything I want to be. And then my plushie collection, I had a Terriamon and a Lopmon. And I had a Salamon, which I also really loved. And I had a Calamon as well. You have a Magnadramon plushie? Did I hear that right? Mm-hmm. Can I see? <gasps> what? Always okay, been a big Magnadramon. Me too. Like always, because since the first. Since I watched like Digimon the movie and I was like obsessed. Yes. Always has been the one that I like cared more about than rather than a funny man. And was so happy when she came back and try. And I also loved the little tri tail. I thought that was like a cool little helix tail. I just love um, I, I my I gave my boy and my pup uh Lockmon and Terriermon. because uh, my pup loves Terriermon. Um and my boy loves Lockmon because of Digimon Survive, even though he didn't finish it. <laughs> <laughs> um also I want to read your whole fan thing. I like have several that I I had one when I was 12 and it's kind of lame and then I made like a few others but I want to hear one that has been ongoing for that long. Okay, I I don't know if I've told you this but um this might break your heart slightly. I used to have an enormous collection of not just Digimon stuff like it was kind of all my toys as a kid and I'm like a huge Marvel nerd so I had loads of action figures and but part of I was obsessed with Digimon as a kid, so I had, uh, I had loads of plushies. I had like mostly like the smaller kind of beauty baby ones, and then I had a few big ones, and everything. And when I say everything, got thrown away when I was like eleven or twelve, and it was the most devastating thing. All of it just like thrown away. I had so many. I had the cards. I had. Um, so many of the like digivolving action figures. I had all those tiny little, um, you know, the tiny little ones. I had like so, so many of them. I had a box full of them. There were, there were so much right now too, all the figures. Cause uh, yes, I know. Game, you can use them as like memory markers and they're so expensive now. Oh, I... Dude, like I had, I had so many things that are like really hard to track down now. Like I'm, I'm seriously like trying to track down a lot of stuff. Cause as an adult, like collecting all this stuff again is like, very therapeutic to me. Anyway, enough Digimon, because we're actually here to talk about cake. <laughs> and any opportunity to talk to someone about Digimon, I'm going to take and get totally sidetracked. I mean, um, it definitely is a very kinky community, I'll put it out there. Like, we've got the furries, we've got, like, all the bondage, all the leather in, in the series. So, yes, but moving, moving forward to kink, but... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're selling me on it. You're selling me on it. Digimon did teach me that, like, leather 
straps, buckles, mm-hmm. asymmetry, uh, th- that these all th- were all things that were cool, aesthetically. <laughs> the amount of boobs alone or like abs or... Yeah. But uh... see, that didn't register for me somehow. For, for me, somehow it was like, what if I got kidnapped by the clown? <laughs> Instead I mean, of... If you just like Google like where Gururuman, you're going to come up with like so much furry thing. Or Renamon, you're going to come up with so much... Yeah, like, Renamon is really... That one like... I like because to me I was like oh she's so cool I want to be her and then when I started to see how other people saw her I was like oh Oof. <laughs> oh my childhood good for you but also like that that really got me in the childhood um okay but how did you even get into kink how did this like all start for you Jesus. So when I was a kid I was pretty asexual I did not understand a lot of it I didn't understand a lot of the references that other kids were making. I, it took a long time for me to figure out any of this. Um, so like, I didn't understand like a lot of like sexual innuendos. And I was also like super conservative and Christian back in the day. Right, uh, yeah. I, I'll do it. Like I, it wouldn't register to me uh, for a lot of people because it's so much so based off of like the uh, straight sort of uh, stereotypes, especially in the South. Mm. So it just didn't really click for a long time. Uh, but when it finally did, I think the first like indicator of like, oh, hey, like something is kinky going on. Um, I remember like playing with like Power Ranger figures and I would like take a balloon and I would blow up the balloon as big as I could get it. And if you like pushed it into the action figure, you could completely consume them in this balloon uh, latex rubber. And I was like, OK, this Damn. feels weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, and. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know that it really fully clicked until much, much later. Um, I first, like, started exploring into, like, oh, I think collars look really, you know, there's there's something attractive to this. Like, I liked chokers when I was a, when I was younger, even though I thought it was too um, sexualized. Like, I, could, I couldn't get myself to wear them because I, did, I wasn't, like, cool enough or I wasn't, like, uh-huh. sexual enough or whatever, maybe. Uh, but as an adult, like, post-college... Um, I started seeing them on like a lot of the uh, like gay sort of apps. Mm. Um, so I started talking to this one guy who was like, Hey, like I would like to know more about colors. And just, we started asking questions about, you know, what does that mean? What does that mean to other people? And he talked about like the pup play stuff. And I was like, I, that's a hard limit for me. I, I don't think I could ever get into pup play. <laughs> um, and he, at one point or another, like, and I was you know dating my now husband and I was like, hey, like, do you mind if he, he asked basically like, I was like, hey, can you teach me more about colors? I'd love to like actually see one, wear one in person. Uh, he talked about like the significance of it and the family sort of dynamics of it um, and the commitments that come with like, the more traditional collars and collarships um, and pup play. And so like uh, we did like a lunch. He met my husband, um, my now husband, and um, we like he put one on me like just for me to try. And it was one of his former pups callers. And I was so enthralled with this that I could not even like keep a conversation. I uh, thank God my, uh, my husband was there. I learned to like keep up a conversation because I was just so enthralled. And then he invited me to a night at, I believe it was the DC Eagle where I saw him and his, his pup at the time interacting with pup play. And he told him to sit and, I wanted to sit 
and he told him to like lay down and I wanted to lay down and it was just like this immediate connection of like I am so incredibly fascinated with this connection and this this trust and bond and whatever this is I need to have it um I love that it's more the bond because a lot of people say the the freedom of the headspace is kind of what drew them in but I love that it's very relational for you it's like because because my kinks are all interactive as well so I I really gel with that like whenever I pick up something new it's normally because of someone else yeah I mean it definitely was about the the bond that they shared in this this level of trust I I mean, there, there is definitely like a head, headspace to it, but I don't know that I discovered that until I got into like more hypno specific. Mm. Um, I, because I mean, I've always been interested in hypno as like a kid. Um, but then like, as an, like exploring the kink, I was like, is this even really a thing? Uh-huh. And I tried it out with this hypno dom and I, I was like, Oh, like nothing happened. That was weird. And then like, I just craved it for like yep. three weeks. I was like, what is going on? Like, I have to try this again. Um, and I became this addict for it. Like this addict, of, like, especially as, as someone who has like ADD and like, there's always like four or five trains of thought going on at yep. the same time. Yep. Yep. It makes yep. it so hard than like having hypno there and be able to go into this headspace where like all of that just shuts down. It was like finally being able to like breathe and think clearly almost or not have to think at all. Uh, it was very freeing to not have five trains going on at the same time that, that I could wreck at any moment. Um, so hypno still does that incredible headspace for me. I, but even then, like I've learned more and more that if you're going to do hypno, it has to be with someone you trust. It has to be yes, with someone yeah. who is safe and moral and that actually cares what's going to happen to you, that understands the experience that you're going through. And I've had a lot of bad hypnotists and mm. still have not quite learned that lesson myself, but I will, I will preach it all day long. <laughs> do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> Was it more a thing of like, not knowing, like, as in you said that you didn't really get a lot of it. Was it that it you, you didn't connect with you? You didn't like get the sexual feelings or was it more that like you were, it was hidden from you and you were kind of sheltered from it education wise. And I mean, there's definitely like this level of like shelteredness because I mean, I did grow up in a very conservative Mm -hmm. Christian household that like isolated itself from anything that could be considered evil uh, for so long. Like I, I mean, I grew up in a household where like my grandfather would show us like anti-Muslim propaganda videos and like like, creationism was like the only option. And uh, anything outside of those was like, was more than just evil. It was uh, denying uh, reality um, sort of things. And um, I mean, my family is still like, my biological family is still like that. Um, but it, I think because I was a gay man in the South, I worked so hard to be on the other side of that. Mm-hmm. I, like if I am the best possible Christian as possible, if uh, I yeah. pray as much as possible, if I yeah. like, you know, sacrifice as much as possible, then I'll be able to get freed from all of this. And I, I was very open about like my feelings and who I was, but I was also very clear, like I'm trying to get rid of this and I'm trying to fight this. And it was ironic that the more I like opened up about it, the more isolated I became. Um, it, it was just very intense, but yes, I, I was very ignorant of a lot of what was going on uh, partially because of that, but partially I think my body just didn't quite understand either. Mm-hmm. Like I, I did not 
developed the same way as a lot of other people. Um, I had a lot of delays and a lot of that. So I really didn't even like start having a voice that was cracking until I was like 16 or 17. <laughs> um, and it was, it was, and my voice didn't stop cracking until like near my, my life, like my, my, like my very last year of college. So, um, did not understand. Plus I, like I did have an older brother who I, he is pretty asexual. So like, I didn't get those hints from him. Yeah. Either of like, yeah. you know, this is what like sexuality is supposed to look like that you normally get in a, uh, older brother reference, uh, mm. sort of perspective. So I was very isolated. Well, I like that you were kind of discovering it. The action figure thing was such a visceral like image for me. I was like, yep, I did that. Because, I mean, you're going to explore with what you have and whether that's like the internet or with action figures. Like I did the same thing, playing with balloons. I used to have like, it's funny now, I really don't like sticky, gooey, slimy things, but I used to do a lot of like submerging them in it and rubbing it on them or I'd like paint on them and that sort of thing. Um, so I totally get that like way of figuring things out. Um, but yeah, you get, I mean, that makes sense to me. Like, of course you're then going to be curious and start doing that. Was it that you like discovered kink from the get go or was it that, that kind of came later after the sexuality stuff and you're like, Oh, it's always sort of been there, but hadn't really drawn the, drawn the dots. Um, and it definitely always been there. And I don't think I was able to connect. And I think part of it was like, because I worked so hard to stay away from sexuality as a whole, uh, mm. that that went with it. And so then once, yeah. I, once that bridge of like, Oh, Hey, this actually isn't an evil thing that you just need to avoid at all costs. It opened this floodgates of like, well, what else is there that uh -huh. I yeah. just didn't understand for so long. So like, I didn't see a lot of movies that I wasn't supposed to. And now I'm still trying to catch up on a lot of references. Um, I'm still trying to get caught up on so much media, even now, like now that I'm 31, trying to get caught up on like movies and music. And like, thankfully I've got a, a boy now who helps keep me <laughs> on track as best as possible. I was like, oh, like this movie is relevant. This song is relevant. This one is no longer <laughs> relevant. This one, um, like, you know, that like head nod thing that people did like, oh, sup sort of thing. Yeah. I, where they would like rapidly move their head up as like a hello. I did not get that until it was done. I did not understand right. that that was in. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, that's a bit niche. I mean, yeah, not everyone has to, but yeah, that's funny. <laughs> That you're like making up for lost time with movies, which is fun. What a great like that's fun. It definitely it definitely helps. So like I don't know, there were there were like safe medias like Digimon and cartoons and animes for a long time. But even like I think anime helped open up a lot of doors of like oh hey like I have like knowledge of this without like yeah. But like as discussed, <laughs> you can find anything kinky, and like I think that mindset is always gonna make you curious. And like yeah, man, like. Digimon, like, it was kind of kinky. Like, I remember being so weirded out by Piedmon. Equal parts because that whole, like, he was terrifying. And the fight against him is fucking terrifying where he just decimates them all one by one in, like, the creepiest way. But also there was something about it that I was like, hmm, but I kind of like it. I feel weird. <laughs> turning turning people into living toys. Yeah. I'm definitely, yeah, yeah that's definitely making me... I definitely like being a toy. Okay, what I... would you say? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. You had something to say? 
no, 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 we can, we can move forward. <laughs> because that's all right. I will move on to like, I could do this whole podcast about just Digimon. Like I used to like listen to <laughs> Digimon podcasts specifically. And like, I would like make every effort to try to like, be involved in this podcast. Uh, so like, I probably could just start a whole podcast where it's just me talking about Digimon for okay. hours, but this is a King podcast and I'm just like constantly <laughs> not to make this a backdoor pilot for like my ultimate dream of making my own Digimon podcast. But I did the exact same thing when I was at university. I, tried to get on these podcasts because I was listening to a few as well. I started when Try was coming out and they were just like ripping it to shreds. And yeah, I really actually do want to do that. With I think there was With the Will or I... Yeah, With the Will. And then uh, the Digino, there's Podigious as well. Yes, I... Yeah, yes, yes, I do hear exactly which one you're talking about. I thought it was going to be about being a living toy, <laughs> not just more Digimon. <laughs> Lost in Translation Mon, I think, was another one I did a lot. Oh yeah. Okay, but what would you say are your like main kinks then? Because obviously we've got we've got pup play, we've got rubber, we've got leather, we've got bondage, we've got hypno. What what kind of is the? Because I've definitely got like the big three, and then I have a lot of other interests. But um, okay, so I do have a kink family, and I will say like a lot of that is very traditional based for me. Um, I like protocols. I like. Um, I like knowing, like as a sub, I really, really enjoy knowing that if I stay within these p- parameters, I'm on good terms with my dom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was really, really helpful for me as a sub. And now I have transitioned into this dom that like, yes, I have two officially colored subs, but I also have like this umbrella of like people I sort of still mentor and take care of as I can. Um, and then my dom side has more gone through the more, how do I put this? Um, it's, it's on the back burner. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it like it almost more revitalizes my my sub side or my dom side, um, but yes, I've got my big three. So there's like rubber, hypno, uh, and probably leather. Um, but I, <laughs> I mean, uh, hypno has definitely been one of my bigger ones. I have this big thing for I uh, like, j- like becoming jocked, uh, sort of uh, perspective like this um himbo uh, perspective and i and i know that it has its own controversy of, of mm-hmm. like, oh like you don't have to be like dumb to be you know like what's the appeal to that it's like well the appeal is like i don't have to think and, yeah you don't have to like, think i i get to like like i get to improve myself as like like physically uh, as a way of showing the service and that is just this huge i don't know like this huge satisfaction of like i am yes, this is hard. It keeps me motivated. It's good for me. And I'm making somebody else happier. I'm becoming a more like physically pleasurable sub uh, for someone else to get to show off. I, yeah, I, I get, so I, I, the, the being dumb thing, like I really get behind that. Like it's kind of like the whole gooning thing. Like that to me is a bit like, but I I do understand like the, the, the not thinking because so much of my, Kick, all of my kinks actually like are, are, are rooted somewhat in that where it's like turn your brain off just be dumb be silly be goofy whatever um be completely stupid and that is really really fun and also i feel like it's really cathartic and really like it just afterwards i'm like ah i i, I got to switch off properly but um yeah i feel like the <sighs> okay People keep saying I probably have ADHD. And can we talk about the prevalence of neurodivergence in kink? Because I it, it it's everywhere and it's and it's wonderful, but it's 
something that I've really noticed, and I can't quite put my finger on what it is, but I was talking to someone who said kinky people are more likely to get diagnosed because they've already done the work accepting who they are in this one way, right? So I thought that was very poignant because, like, that's a very hard thing to do. And I think most people probably who who haven't done that work already in some area of their life aren't going to go and, and and get a diagnosis. I think far more people are on the spectrum that, well, I mean, that's why it's a spectrum, right? That's, we're all on the spectrum. But I think far more people are further down one end than we actually know about. And this is not to disparage anyone whatsoever. It's I, I think it's wonderful that people are able to be themselves. It's just a correlation I've noticed, mostly with queer ABDLs and pups. And yeah, I don't know. that There's something in that that fascinates me. And I wonder if it is something to do with headspace as well, that it is very inviting if you um, are neurodivergent in some way to like enjoy play that involves turning the brain off. I don't know. I don't know if it's like the fact that we enjoy it or don't enjoy it. I, I mean, I do remember this like very obvious now, but it, this realization at the time that was just so profound of like, oh, like straight couples also like anal, like and fisting, like <laughs> yeah. this is what i but i mean i don't know that it's necessarily like uh i think it's just whether or not you hide it or don't hide it like everyone has kings everyone has like their own levels whereas like if you are someone who is obviously neurodivergent or has more symptoms than that i then you're more likely to like already be in like that circle or already be i like right like right okay things are obvious me i'm not able to hide you know that i am the most normal person. So you either learn to accept this and move forward with it, or you find those. It's, it's much easier to find people who are in the same circle. If you're very open about it. Yes. And when you literally don't have the mental capacity to be able to hide it, it makes it so much easier to find those people. I, I yeah. feel like, uh, so for example, like I am, you know, I, I work really, really hard to be very open about who I am and about my mental health and about, uh, the struggles that I've had, uh, because I've noticed that like the more open I've been, the more comfortable people are to be able to be who they want to be. Uh, Absolutely. The more I've been very open about like my kink life and I uh, showing it as normal, the more I've noticed that these people are out, out, out there and, and they're as common as everything else. Mm-hmm. I, but it gives them a safe space to be able to be themselves. And that's why one of the main reasons I don't hide, as much as I can, I, uh, in a professional manner, um, did have that sort of bite me in the butt recently, <laughs> but I, uh, I mean, this what it is. Yeah. Also, thank you for saying that because that was a huge thing for me when I finally became more open. I mean that, that, you know, is part of my whole sort of kink changed my life. It made me realize what I wanted to do with my life and finally accepting this and, and being so open about it is how this whole podcast thing started and everything. So I, I really, I really appreciate hearing the same sentiment because I, I just think more people doing it, it, it helps other people. Like seeing people who are being themselves is just the coolest thing to me. And it makes it easier for me to accept myself. And so that's why I, I love talking to people about it and like getting to hear everyone's stories. Um, Oh, there was something you mentioned, which was um, the himbo thing and like muscles. 
I wanted to ask about that because physiques like don't I don't experience physical attraction in that way. So like I I I don't you into like big muscles? Um I mean, I am for myself if that makes sense. Like there there's a part of me that like that feels I mean, I, I've got some level of body dysmorphia. If like, if I'm not improving myself in some way, or if I'm not like getting stronger or getting faster, mm. it's not necessarily about size. But there are some things that I really enjoy. Like, I work really hard on my pecs, for example, because I I like having very very large pecs. Um, <laughs> but everything else, I'm just like, who cares? Like, what is that? Right. Well, is it like? I, I guess what I was getting at is it more aesthetic for you, or is it more again that bond of like you're doing this for someone, or you're doing a task that they've asked you to do and, th- and then there's some sort of like rapport there i mean there there is definitely a rapport that can be easily be drawn of like oh i did a good job because i worked yes. my chest today yeah, yeah. and uh, <laughs> i'm making a bigger chest and it's, it's making sir happy and uh sort of perspective um or you know i but i mean i i do think there is this constant like just as a caveat for people like big muscles do not make you a more attractive person uh, and to be very, very clear about that. In fact, I, uh, and you know, bigger muscles are not going to make you happier period. I uh, like in some, into a, some levels, like, yes, you can be more confident. People do tend to be nicer to you. If you're a, sort of the classic aesthetically pleasing, mm-hmm. I, they, they do treat you differently. And I, I don't necessarily agree with that. Uh, but I just want to be very clear. Like big muscles do not make you a pretty person. Um, or an attractive person. I like some of the people I'm most attracted to are the ones who are just confident in who they are. Like right. I, I love, I love when a guy can wear like a corset and, and, you know, can wear like lace and, and, you know, I more classically effeminate sort of items. I, no matter their body type, because this exuberant amount of confidence that, that, that like, someone who, who can do those things is just inspiring and exciting for me of uh, yes. like, yeah, I agree. Uh, I love that. Or, or it's like, it's happiness, right? It's, it's that you're happy with yourself and that radiates. And so yes. if you work out because you do something and it makes you feel good in one way or another, then that's, what's going to radiate. If it's, if you're doing anything for a reason that isn't that, then yeah, I mean, then it is just an aesthetic and it's not going to make you happy. It's not going to make you necessarily more confident. In fact, so I used to be a dancer and I, that was when I was at my like lowest in terms of self-confidence. And the way that I looked then, if I look at pictures now, I'm like, Jesus Christ, like I had a six pack and I didn't even realize really because what I saw was totally different. And I was so much more self-conscious because it was all about like, not just being in shape, but like, you know, you have tight fitting costumes and that kind of thing. So it's just like nothing was left up to the imagination, but I really like that, that the bond, I really like that thing of I'm doing something for sir, which I kind of feel like that's the thrill of chastity, right? Cause now I've, I had a big chastity fear and we, we burst through that limit with a, with a really big forced, uh, fear play scene, uh, at a club, which was really cool. Um, but now that I'm like not afraid of it anymore, I'm kind of a bit more curious about like, okay, now what can I actually find enjoyable about it? Uh, chastity is an interesting, interesting one for me. Uh, I have very mixed feelings about some of it. Uh, so like, th- there's a part of me that like, oh, I like, I love the idea of like putting a boy in chastity and like right. being able to like have a dependency. But as someone who's been in chastity and been in chastity in bad ways, um, I've 
also realized like one i'm never going to ask a boy to be in chastity longer than i'm willing to be in chastity mm-hmm. i two like it's got to be like great tools and like if you are going to take something that is so like vital away from a sub i you know or, or that that is so based on human instinct you need to be able to be there as a some sort of substitute or someone to help them through like if you're just going to put someone in chastity and then like ignore them for two weeks yeah that, yeah, yeah that completely takes away the trust and the bond that's there you're you're you're, no care. you're taking away a vital piece of who they might even see as they are or a stress reliever for them mm-hmm. without providing them a substitute that is equal like if you're not giving them the, mm. the gratification and the, and the satisfaction knowing that they're a good job or that you know there's an end going to be there or there's a reward at the end of this journey uh then you're just you know you're just causing mental anguish and that's not who i that's not how i mm. view it um, I mean, I've also had like some really bad <laughs> experiences in chastity. So the best thing I can say is like, if you're going to do chastity, get the right cage, uh-huh. move it up well, <laughs> know your limits. Um, so like, for example, like I wore chastity and I had like this like sort of cheap plastic one um, and in the middle of like, like taking a nap on a couch, it like had expanded and <gasps> broken. And then like when the erection sort of went down in my sleep, it like pinched the skin. It like had like slit the entire shaft. And I was like, ah, it's terrifying. Um, yeah. That's always terrifying when there's like blood. <laughs> um, and, and then I, uh. I, I, mean, I had a Dom at the time who he's like, Oh, well, I'm going to put you in chastity. And we're going to do it for two weeks. I was like, okay. And I would push like to write the two weeks. And it's like, well, I don't know if we're going to take it away. It's like, okay. Like, well, when does it come off? And he would just like keep moving the date. And I was like, that is, that gives me a lot of anxiety. Yeah, and this is a stress reliever. But you're also not like filling it with something. You're like, if you're mm-hmm. not, if you're not, if I'm not hearing from you for like a day or two, like, or if you're not available when, like, hey, I'm really, really struggling. Can you please help me get through this? Then you're just, it's just mental anguish rather mm-hmm. rather than like, hey, we're doing this because we're building a bond and we're 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 finding other ways and we're exploring and we're improving in new ways or like, I. Uh, if that makes sense. And you could say yeah. that about like, literally any kink, I think. Right. I was just thinking that it's like being in any sort of dominant role, you, I mean, like you have to test the tool on yourself. You have to understand it in order to be able to provide the same level of care. So yeah, I think that's very applicable to, to a lot of things. Cause otherwise, I mean, definitely for me, it's like from the outside, you look at a lot of things and like impact play, for example, it's, Without there being care and trust, mm-hmm. you're just you're just hitting people. <laughs> like it's not it's not pleasurable. You know what I mean? Um, actually, talking about that specifically um, for impact play, um, I remember having a really really hard time watching people. I uh, you know get uh, flogged, for example. Okay. Um, for a very long time because I had come from an abusive home, mm-hmm. um, so it was very difficult for me to watch to a point where like I might start shaking. Um, and then there was one point where like, I was playing with this Dom and, um, like it's like that terror came in and then it just like flipped into like this euphoria. And I was like, where did this come from? Like, like this is why people get into flogging. Like this, Mm -hmm. this is the moment, uh, that I understand. I, but before then it was just so incredibly hard to like even watch, uh, so I get it a bit more now. I, I mean, obviously this was like three plus years ago at this point. I, uh, but it was really difficult for me to understand for a very long time because I, 
would psychologically equate it to like abuse, but yes, like that mm. a tender, like care after care that comes from yes. afterwards, yeah. knowing that you're going to be taken care of. And, and I will say like, that was something my first scholarship did really, really, really well was they put a huge emphasis on aftercare and a huge emphasis of like making sure that the sub is okay. Uh, like no matter the amount of scene, like uh, setting clear boundaries of like, Hey, like we're going to do a scene, you know, you can call it when you need to. I uh, here, here's a color code system we can use. Um, uh, here's how we, you know, express limits. But after the scene is over, we are going to discuss like what was good, what mm-hmm. was bad, things that could have been better, things that you like really liked, things that you want improved, uh, or things you want more of. And he did really, really, really well on that. And I, I have kept those habits a lot, especially when I play with new people. Mm. I wanted to ask. So you're a self-collared alpha pup, and I want to know what what would you say that role and like relationship, I guess, is like being an alpha. Like, what 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 does that mean to you, and what does being collared mean to you? Ah, oh, Lord. Um, I mean, my whole like journey into kink started with collarships and the more traditional sides of kink, and a lot of that's not necessary in the same way that it was ten, fifteen years ago. Um, like for a lot of time people, it was, you know, you were left kicked out of your families and you created new families. And that's mm-hmm. what part of yeah. collarships or drag houses or whatever yeah. it may be really developed from. And in this, you know, post shame world, uh, it's not nearly as essential as it was, uh, so to speak, to have those traditional sort of boundaries. So for me, a, a scholarship was really based on my trust in building the families and in building a reliable community of like, hey, no matter what goes on the scene, you are still going to be important to me on the other side. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, I, we will talk about this, we'll work through these things. Um, this level of trust of like, I like one of the things that I really love about playing with my boy is that, you know, at the end of the day, I know if something goes good or bad. Or, you know, for whatever reason, we just went too far. Or, you know, if I make a mistake as a dom, we're going to talk about it afterwards. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be okay. Um, and Open communication. Important. Even if we don't ever do that particular kink again, yeah. or we never do that particular exploration again, you know, he will still be my boy and he will still be special to me. Uh, as opposed to like this, you know, one of more one-offs of like, oh, hey, like that kink wasn't for me. So I guess we're not going to talk on Grindr anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, sort of perspective um scholarships are very familial based to me of like you know in some ways it's like i mean if you look at a more traditional sense it's, it's almost like an engagement ring of like hey like you are going to be a part of my family like however we move forward you know i'm gonna support and develop you know whatever direction you want to go like if if my boy or my pup decided like hey like you know i've really enjoyed our time together but like you know i'm really looking to explore with this other person and you know, I have grown and learned so much, but this is the next step in my journey. I would be excited for them. You know, yes, yeah. I might not have the same relationship with them or the same, you know, uh, intense feelings that I might have, uh, but I'm going to be excited that they move forward because I was doing this for their betterment anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, so There is really something to be said about choosing to be excited for somebody rather than resentful, which... I've learned in so many different facets of my life. Like there's a lot of times where I've been like maybe envious of someone else's success or, 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 or resentful that we no longer have what we had because it, circumstances have changed. And then actually thinking about it and going, 
having that you know moment feeling of feelings and then going but actually good for them like i'm happy for them it really changes the 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 narrative in your head about it and i feel like just makes it a positive one and makes you feel better rather than holding on to something that makes you feel bad every time you think about it i mean i do think a lot of that has to do with communication like yes yeah and being open about your feelings like i like and I understand that there are times that you just can't be like when it comes to like safety or you know, you're still you're in a, a job where you can't necessarily talk about kink or you can't take photos or, you know, you are in a dangerous bio family relationship uh, mm-hmm. where it would be dangerous to do so. I get those things. But in a scholarship, those shouldn't necessarily be a thing. It's like, hey, like, you know, I you know, if if me and my partner, I, my let's say my pup in this case. Uh, if me and my pup were like, hey, like, you know, I'm actually not really interested in pup play anymore. Like, it's okay, but I feel like I'm just doing it for you at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm really interested in, say, this rubber, or, or I'm really interested in two, uh, you know, um, course play. Like, okay, like, I'm willing to give those a shot. But if there's someone who you're really exploring that with, and you're, you feel like you've got a better connection with that, you know, I'm going to support that. Um, yes, my I might be sad that I'm losing this part, but I'm so... Like I chose you because I wanted to support you in the direction you were going. Yeah. Um, and I am incredibly excited for you to do that. I've also had scholarships where that wasn't the case, where like things had changed. And no matter how much I would be like, Hey, like, can we talk about this? Like, you know, you know, has something changed? Like, I feel like things are different. We don't, we don't really do these things anymore. You know, I, you know, have our goals changed and be like, Oh no, things, everything's fine. Oh, okay. Um, then what's going on? Uh, like, so there would be like this, there, there was a time where like, um, there wasn't honesty in the scholarship where he'd be like, Oh yeah, no, like I definitely want to do these things with you. Like, okay. Well, well, you know, I'm available. Like, you know, I would get like months worth of like, Hey, like here, like here's some opportunities, here's some windows. And they would just yeah. get partially pushed off. Or, uh, I'd be like, Hey, like, I really want to explore this. Could we explore this together? but I wouldn't be allowed to explore that with other people. I would just have to wait until mm. eventually he may or may not be ready. And, and that was right. just poor communication on that part. And it's like that scholarship probably more so like ended at a point in our relationship where it wasn't because we didn't like each other, but because we had not been able to develop and change or update those regular check-ins of like, Hey, like, you know, I'm no longer into these things or, mm. you know, I honestly have different feelings for somebody else uh, at this point, And I want to really invest the time in there. Yes, it would have been sad, but I, I wish they had just been like, hey, like my feelings are different. Here's how we adjust moving forward, you know? Mm. Yeah. I mean, communication, like so much stuff just boiled up, boils down to just being honest. And if you can be open and honest, this is why I also really sort of, struggle to understand people who think that because ghosting someone that they've been engaging with is emotionally easier for them that it's, I don't know, like a reasonable thing to do. I, I, I just like, yeah, some people are unreasonable, but that's their problem. If you express your feelings openly and honestly, and obviously are not just, you know, there's, Whenever somebody says, I just tell it like it is, I'm like, okay, great. So that just means, you know, you're an asshole who doesn't care about anyone's feelings. But like the person who's going to have a problem with you being honest 
is not. I, I think the way that someone has said that before was honesty without empathy is just cruel. By the way, where does Paladin come from? Oh, um, so the name Paladin uh, was the name that was given to me when I first accepted my scholarship with my previous sir. Um, and we formed the uh, Griffin Leather family at the time. Um, and the Griffin Leather family is still going on. It's just different people for the most part than, than when I started uh, or when we started uh, back in the day. Uh, it was given to me specifically uh, because I was very protective and my role in the family was to be the protector. Uh, a paladin sort of protects the royal family. Mm-hmm. Um, I realized that paladin has a bit more negative connotations than it used to, at least um, in the U.S. circuit um, or Anglo-Saxon even circuit. Uh, but at least in my uh, mythology and the mythology that I've gone through, a paladin was a protector knight. Um, and even so, like in D&D or into... Mm, I was going to say, like D&D. Like Rebrand. RPGs or uh, like Diablo. Paladins are protectors. They like follow virtue and whatever it may be, which seemed really fitting. Uh, I've got a big thing for knights in general. Um, so it was very fitting to be a paladin for so long. And then when I was no longer part of that particular scholarship, um, I didn't know if I wanted to be Paladin anymore. I didn't know if it fit anymore because I always viewed him as this pup. Um, and I was going to be taking a trip to San Francisco for the first time. And I wanted to be able to do, I was, I was told to bring my pup stuff. So I was like, Oh God, I don't know if I can bring that old pup hood. So I took a cheap one from Amazon and I painted it gold. Um, <laughs> and I brought it with me and he called me, uh, his golden paladin, um, the, the, the Surrey I was visiting and, uh, I became like golden pup paladin for a bit and it sort of transferred Aww. into leather paladin because it just, it made it more universal to better fit who I was. Mm-hmm. So even now as a Dom, like I take those same roles of like, I'm a protector, like I'm here to take care of the subs. I'm here to teach and help them grow and, and learn. And I, I want to take care of my pup and I want to take care of my boy and I want to take care of my husband and the other subs that sort of umbrella under me um, that aren't necessarily in a scholarship, but there are some people I really strongly care for and I work hard to take care of. And I will always love and support, even if they're not necessarily like mine <laughs> specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, leather paladin sort of fit into that. Although I've definitely become more of a rubber paladin at this point. Yes. I had no I, I think part of that is like, I've had a lot of weight fluctuations due to health uh, over the last like three years um, and rubber fits pretty well, even with some mm-hmm. fluctuation, yeah. whereas leather does not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've recently been starting to enjoy leather, but I do like that about rubber that like it's meant to stretch. And I think the more that you make it stretch, the better it looks. Right. Yeah. It, it puts everything where it's supposed to go. And I appreciate that. <laughs> I, whereas like my leather stuff, like I bought this incredible, beautiful corset, uh, leather corset before I moved and I've never gotten to wear it because I, I gotten so sick for like two years. Um, and it just does not, and will not fit anytime soon. Um, and that's totally fine. Um, like for MAL this year, um, mid Atlantic leather, um, I ended up buying, like I had this incredible gold, like tie that I had bought. And the only leathers I could get to even barely fit were like my bright red ones. And I was like, I can't wear red and gold. Like it's just not going to look right um, in the same way. Um, 
so then I ended up going and I was like, I ended up buying more leather pants and shirt. And I was like, and then I didn't bring the tie. <laughs> <Damn it. laughs> ah, so next time. I wanted to, because I'm just conscious of time. Um, I wanted to end with asking what your favorite thing was about kink. Because rather than, because I think so many of us struggle to accept this part of ourselves. And I think a lot of the time I forget to ask what really is the thing that brings you joy about this whole world in general? Um, I, I've got a, how do I answer this? Um, I have this straight friend that I'm really good close with, uh, and he's nerdy and he lives in a very conservative bubble. Uh, like not in the same way that I did growing up. I, uh, but he's, you know, he's still religious and he has a beautiful wife and a beautiful daughter that I, am in love with and um he's asked me like these like questions all the time of like oh well like how can you be into these like kings or like i don't necessarily understand and i've had to like teach and point out this isn't about me doing like like kink is not about me doing sexual things with other people it's Mm -hmm. about me being okay and learning to accept the things that i already enjoy yeah like i'm not trying to you know, force people into my kinks. I'm not trying to, I like do these things because I want to be sexual with people. I am kink and the kink world is more about being open and being real that yes, I am accepting this part of myself that is already there. I, because I'm not going to say like, I'm more into rubber than say like a straight couple. I, you know, but I will say that like, I have more, accepted this side of myself and that's what makes mm-hmm. it sort of an open kink everyone has kinks but being open and accepting of the things that i already know i enjoy has been a, a huge difference and i think he understands it a bit more like he didn't understand like why i have an open relationship it's like well like i'm not quite bound to the same like monogamous sort of bubble like mm. rules and traditions and, and for some people that's exactly what they need and that that fits their their needs yeah for me, it did not. Um, you know, it doesn't mean that I, I care about my husband any less than I do or, or vice versa, but it meant that we have different needs at times and that they don't always line up. And because I love and support him and vice versa, he wants me to be able to express that side of myself. And I mean, especially in this highly political world that we're in, kink has also just become this incredible symbol of freedom. Like, I know there's, like, controversies of, like, oh, kink at pride or, or whatever it may be mm. um, or, you know, all the political drama right now in the U.S. when it comes to the drag queens or, 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 or yeah. you know, being allowed to be transgender or a lot of these anti-LGBTQ laws that are coming out. And kink creates this space of I am so far on this extreme that I'm now normalizing that, uh, yeah. normalizing things that are considered, like, less controversial um and it was the same thing with like the 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 drag and trans community i mean and the the kink community they were but especially the trans and drag community they weren't able to hide who they were yeah you know i in the same way that you know a traditionally looking you know white cisgendered person gay or otherwise could and they really led that fight and led, uh, you know, that struggle for freedom, equal rights here in the U.S. Uh, and we, we owe them so much when it comes to our history. And the kink community was very similar. The leather community 
I, as well as the, the, the drag community, we were one of the founding fighters when in, during the AIDS epidemic. Mm-hmm. We would create or, like charitable organizations and raise tons of money for H, you know, HIV or to fight against HIV and to do uh, into research study. And uh, a lot of it was because we were so over the top, we dragged that attention and created a sense of normalcy for anything that was less than this. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would have to create organizations and, and pretend like we were from this church. Basically we would create a, a fake like church organization, like the brotherhood of, you know, uh-huh. uh, of love or whatever it may be um, and create a organization so that hospitals and so that organizations would take the money for, you know, AIDS research and, and so much. Um, and, you know, people forget that side when it comes to like the kink, like kink and pride and kink at pride of how much that was a forming part of that. And um, I just, it, it's just so important to be expressive and, and create the sense of normalcy for people. I, I wish I had seen the representation that I see now um, that I was not able to see when I was younger and that I was not permitted to see when I was younger and that I chose to not see when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I had, maybe I would have hated myself a little bit less growing up. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. That's very poignant. And I also think it's very hard sometimes for people to appreciate that because if you didn't grow up with that shame or, or self-hatred or just having no role models or an entire lost generation of elders who could impart some knowledge onto you, you know, you're not going to get it right away. So yeah. Anyway, have you done your homework? Did you bring me a yay for today? Oh no, I did not. Um, jail. Remind me what the yay was supposed to be. <laughs> Detention. <laughs> um, if, if it helps, I've been literally sleeping for like two days. Straight. That's so fine. So I just like to end on a positive thing because, um, yeah, sometimes we talk about like heavy stuff or whatever. And I always just like to end on like just anything, someone, something cool, just anything that's made you smile this week or anything like that. It can be Patamon. Well, apparently we're starting a Digimon podcast. Fuck yeah. Huge yay. <laughs> I I will say I am like there there's been a lot of difficult times recently and there's been a lot of difficult things going on but uh, I am really excited about a lot of the studies that we're doing here in California and a lot of the work that we're doing in California to try to expand women's reproductive health and options uh, here in the US. Uh, so I am really really excited about some of the studies that we're doing and and some of the pushes pushbacks that we're we're trying to fight and 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 create I, at least here in California as, as a refuge, as a refugee state now. So very, very excited about that. Um, One's enough. That's a pretty fucking good yay. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. That's uh, awesome. California is really like leading the way to be a, a refugee state in a very controversial U.S. right now. Mm, yeah, that's putting it lightly. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's brilliant. Uh, okay, so my, I'm going to change mine. My yay today was going to be Digimon <laughs> because... Because I love Digimon, it was my first obsession, it's what drew us together and and made this whole thing happen. But as we were talking, you mentioned rubber and how you're more of a rubber paladin now, and it just got me thinking, it just got me thinking about Rubber Lover out in San Jose. That's my guy. (laughs) (laughs) Who is the absolute best and the sweetest. I had a really crazy, I don't even remember if I've spoken about this. Uh, I had a really, really crazy experience in 
in San Jose. Um, and it was very bad and scary and dangerous. And he was like, okay, well, that's stupid. You need to come here and have a nice time and a good experience. And so I did. And I had the absolute bad, I was only there for a short, short amount of time, but the few hours that we got to spend together, um, cause we don't really have Mexican food is the only thing that we don't really like, it's just not so big here. Um, and like you can find it in London, but like there's, you know, other cuisines that, uh, just kind of overtake. So while I was in California, I was like, I'd really like some proper Mexican food. And he was like, well, let me take you, let me take you to like the real, real, real authentic Mexican food. And I was like, yeah, awesome. So we had such a lovely time. And then he rubbered me up and tortured the hell out of me. And that was super fun. And he was just like the best and uh, the loveliest. So he's going to be my year for today because he always brings me so much joy. And I can't wait to be back in town again to see him. Go check him out. He's at Rubber Lever on Twitter and I think on Instagram. Yes, he is. Okay, good. I've been locked out of my Instagram. Uh, He's he's also the one I went to EMCC with. Oh, fun. ECCC. So Emerald City Comic Con. That's he's who I went with. He uh, his whole thing was like, I'm gonna dress you up like a like a Ken doll. And I was like, okay, <laughs> and that's what he did the whole weekend. <laughs> you know, I spent a weekend as someone's Ken doll. That was really fun. Mm. That's so much fun. I love that. Also, he has the most incredible stuff. Yes, he's the alpha of alphas. Fuck yeah. Anyway, thank you so much for uh, coming and chatting to me about something other than Digimon today. Um, where can people find you online? Uh, everything is at the at Leather Paladin. Uh, so Twitter at Leather Paladin, uh, Instagram at Leather Paladin, uh, Gmail at Leather Paladin. Fantastic, so. awesome! And as always, you can find me at Tstota on Twitter. And at this point, I'm going to stop plugging the Instagram because it looks like I'm not going to get it back. <laughs> They've banned me for no fucking reason, just because it's a like you know a, a kink art account whatever i guess i'll just make another one and hopefully i can have the same handle but yeah great thanks for uh i'm actually super excited because i'm about to come to the states on tuesday i'm heading to chicago uh for capcom which i'm super fucking stoked about so this will come out right this will come out as i'm no no wait this will come out as i'm as i come back yeah okay whatever but yeah great thanks thanks so much Thank you so hey, much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> and join us next week as we go under the big top. Hey guys, Barney here. I just want to take a quick moment to talk about the program that brings The Big Top to life, Zencaster. I use Zencaster for all my recordings, and since taking over The Big Top fully, I have actually tried other systems, but I ended up sticking with Zencaster. It's so easy to use. You don't have to download anything, just log in using your browser and start recording a high-quality podcast right away. It records studio-quality sound and up to 4K video with guests, along with a full suite of professional tools that let you produce and publish all from one dashboard. Being a creator has genuinely never been easier. And I love that I can send a simple link to my guests and we can record over a video call wherever they are in the world. Also, if you're like me and cannot stand the sound of your voice, Zencaster's built-in post-production process makes such a difference. 
It automatically removes ums and ahs, awkward pauses, reduces background noise, and makes me sound so much better. Plus, the hobbyist and Creator Plus accounts are always free to use. And their professional accounts are free to try for 14 days, no credit card required. Go to Zencaster.com forward slash pricing and use my code BIGTOP and you'll get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. I want you to have the same easy experience as I do for all my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story.